This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate those of you that are watching today. Almost every time we're on the air, we have those who will call or they will send us emails or write us letters and let us know that they had seen us for the very first time on Getting to Know Your Bible. And we may have those watching today who watch every time we come on there. We want to thank you for tuning in as well. Now today we want to talk about what we should do with the gospel. What shall we do with the gospel? I hope that you'll stay tuned. Now we continue to offer the free Bible Correspondence Course. I emphasize this course is free and we'd like for you to have it. In order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how you can receive the free course, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call toll free 1-877-711-5214 The book of Philippians is to me one of the my, one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's a book that's about joy and it's a book that tells us a great deal about what we ought to do in living the Christian life. I want to read out of the first chapter of Philippians today as to give a background to the subject that we want to deal with today, what to do with the gospel. And I want to read the first six verses of Philippians chapter 1. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I call your attention to verse number five. For your fellowship in the gospel. Fellowship in the gospel. And also notice in verse number seven, he talks about confirmation of the gospel. Many times in this first chapter, Paul is using the word gospel. There are a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about the gospel. For example, in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is God's power to save. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul in verse 16 said, I Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Gospel. 
Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel, Jesus said to every creature. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. So Paul preached the gospel to the people in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, But if our, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of God should shine unto them. So there it's called a glorious gospel. In first, Second Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 7, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So these are just a few of the verses that use the word gospel. Gospel. What does the word gospel mean? Well, it just simply means good news. And at no time should we ever do anything that would be a hindrance to the preaching and the teaching of the gospel, that is, the good news about Jesus Christ. We need to do the right thing with the gospel. So my question today for us is, what will we do with the gospel? First of all, I'd suggest that we should tell it. The gospel was meant to be told. That's what Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the saving gospel, the saving message to every person on the face of this earth. That's why Paul said, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. It's such an easy thing for us to get off focus and to fail to preach the gospel. Sometimes one of the most difficult things for a preacher is to come up with a subject. He said, well, I'm wondering now, what will I preach this next Sunday? And he will rack his brain. But I have learned that if you saturate yourself with the Word of God, you don't have nearly as much difficult time coming up with a message. Just make sure you preach the gospel, and you preach what God said. And it's, well, like I say, it's easy to get off focus and get off on some other topic. It's not my responsibility to talk about social issues. It's not my responsibility to talk about uh, education. It's not my responsibility to get off into the counseling field or try to be a psychologist because my responsibility is just to preach the gospel. And to tell men about Jesus and to tell men what they need to do in order to be saved. The time for the church to march is now. And, and, and to care the gospel, to tell the gospel. And it's not a matter of talent. It's a matter of love. And we ought to have enough love in our hearts for the souls of men and women, boys and girls that we want to tell them about Jesus and His love for them, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. We teach the children this little song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But you see, there are people who have not yet learned that. 
They do not yet know that Jesus loved them and died for them. So what are we going to do with the gospel? We need to tell it. Tell it to others. A second thing I want to suggest that we do with the gospel is that we live it. We need to live the gospel. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse, notice verse 27, Paul said, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come and see you or are an absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. So our conduct is to be worthy of the gospel. You say now, what, what do you really mean by that? Worthy of the gospel. Well, my life should be lived in keeping with the high claims of the gospel. I need to live a gospel-centered life. And I know that if I'm living a gospel-centered life, I'm living a Christ-centered life. So let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. Fact is, we hide the gospel when we fail to live the gospel. I remember when I was in school, a man came to the campus one day to, to speak in chapel, and he was, was uh, giving a secular speech. He was not a preacher. He was not invited to be a preacher, just a secular speaker. But, but, he, but he gave a real good illustration of what I'm trying to say right now. He said that man went over to England. While he was there, he wanted to eat an American hamburger. And he asked one of the British policemen, a Bobby, to tell him where he could find one, and he told him there was a place called Joe's Diner down the what, such and such street and so forth. And so the man said, sure enough, they, they, there was Joe's Diner. And he said out in front on the sidewalk there was a man walking back and forth with a placard on his, on his back and on his front and it read, eat at Joe's Diner, best food in town. And he said they did have a good hamburger. But he said the thing about it is that that man carrying that sign was about the best specimen of malnutrition he had ever seen in his life. Now here the man is, looks like he's about to starve to death, and he's carrying a sign that says, eat here because we have the best food in town. And, and, and my point here is that we may tell people, look what I am, I'm a Christian. But if I'm not living it in my life, it's not going to be very effective. Or oh, a person might know the Bible from one end to the other. They, they might be able to quote great portions of Scripture. But if they're not living it, they're not living the gospel, they're not going to make a very a good impression upon the world. We need to show the world the power of the gospel in our lives. Listen to Paul in Philippians chapter 1, this time verse 20 and 21. He, he said, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ 
will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. He said Christ is going to be magnified in my life. Whether I live or whether I die, I'm going to magnify him in my life. Well, what do you do when you magnify something? You, you enlarge it. We need to give the world an enlarged view of Jesus by the way that we live. And then he goes on in verse 21, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If you want to really make an impact on this world, live the gospel. So we've learned two things already that we can do with the gospel. We can tell it. We can live it. Here's a third thing we can do with the gospel, we can give to it. That's what Paul is writing about in chapter 1 uh, when he said uh, in verse 4, I thank God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel. Your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Over in the fourth chapter, Paul talked about their fellowship in the gospel. Verse 15, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Um, even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that may abound to your account. And indeed, I have all in abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Jesus Christ. Paul was so thankful for these brethren in Philippi who stood by him, aided him, and supported him. You see, men must be sent to preach the gospel. In Romans chapter 10, Paul said, How shall they preach except they be sent? The Bible teaches that it is scriptural, it is biblical, it is correct to support men to preach the gospel. And it takes money to preach the gospel to the world. I'm not asking for your money. We need to give to God on the first day of the week as we have been prospered and in so doing, we make it possible for the local church to preach the gospel to those that are lost. We need to give to it. I, I have observed that in the churches of Christ, there's not a lack of money. There's a lack of will sometimes to give the money. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, Acts 20, 35. And yet sometimes we are so tight-fisted with that which God has entrusted in our care that we fail to realize that He gave it to us to help preach the gospel to a lost world. Jesus said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. We need to support the preaching of the gospel. And I would urge those that are Christians to support the local congregation where you are. I'm to support the church at Somerdale, the Somerdale Church of Christ, of which I am a member. 
I support it by giving to help preach the gospel and also to help other needs, such as helping to feed those that are hungry and clothe those that are, need clothing and the like. So what are we to do with the gospel? We ought to tell it, live it, we ought to give to it. But here's a fourth thing we should do with the gospel. We should defend it. Look at what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verse 17. Knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. You see, the gospel needs defending. Jude in verse 3 says, earnestly contend for the faith. Well, if the gospel needs defending, against what are we going to defend the gospel? Well, I would suggest first of all to you that we ought to defend the gospel against any perversion of the gospel. It is easy for people to, to pervert the gospel. Turn back to Galatians, the first chapter, and beginning in verse number six. In writing to these people, he's writing to a people who are rather fickle. And, and notice what he says into them in verse six. I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. You see, there were those that wanted to pervert it. Well, what do we mean when we talk about something being perverted? Well, we sometimes refer to an individual as being a pervert. That is, they've taken something that is right, something good, and they have changed it into something that is not good and is not right. They have perverted something, changed it. And there are those that take the gospel and they fail to preach the gospel that had been delivered to them. And Paul goes on to say, but even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As I said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? If I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. You see, there are those that pervert the gospel. And it needs to be defended against any type of perversion. And we could spend countless hours talking about the way the gospel has been perverted. We need to defend the gospel against trends of liberalism where men reject the Bible and elevate what they think and how they feel in the place of what God says. You know, Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4 said, preach the word. Be, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And here's the reason. Well, the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and shall be turned from the truth and turn unto fables. You see, there are those who turn from the truth and they turn to fables. They turn from the truth and they turn to things that they have made up in their own minds as being truth. But when one of the reasons that we need to defend the gospel 
is because in our world today there, there is such a tendency for people to reject the Bible, to reject the Word of God as our sole standard of authority in matters religious and to elevate their conscience, their opinion, their feelings in the place of the Word of God. So what are we to do with the gospel? Well, tell it. Live it. Give to it. That is, support the gospel. Defend it. But here's another thing I'd suggest we do with the gospel. Obey it. Obey the gospel. Peter asked the question in 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, verse 17. What shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel? What do you suppose the end will be? Listen to Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. What shall be the end of those that obey not the gospel? They're going to be lost. That's the reason I submit to you that a gospel should be obeyed. We must obey the gospel. Well, how do we obey the gospel? Well, what we need to do is to go to the Bible to find out what to do to be in obeying the gospel. Paul wrote about the gospel in 1 Corinthians that chapter 15. He was writing to the church at Corinth, and he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, and by which you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, that He was buried, and that He arose again the third day, according to the Scripture. Paul said, I preached the gospel to you. You're saved by the gospel I preached to you. And he said, I preach the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul said, I, I'm determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The world needs to hear about Jesus. And when you preach the gospel, you preach Jesus. You preach Jesus. Well, someone says, well, how do you obey the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection are just facts about the life of Jesus. Well, let's find out what the Corinthians did to be saved. And we turn to the book of conversions in the Bible, and that would be the book of Acts. We turn to the 18th chapter of Acts, where we have the record of the conversion of the people in Corinth. The people who were saved by the gospel Paul preached to them. Now notice in verse 8 of Acts chapter 18. And this is the record. Many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. 
That's what they did to obey the gospel. They believed and they were baptized. Of course, they heard the gospel, they believed what they heard, and they were baptized. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth, that is, believes that gospel, and is baptized, shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So that's what the Corinthians did to, be, to obey the gospel. They heard the gospel. They believed the gospel. They were baptized. Let, let's look at yet another example in the New Testament of how men obeyed the gospel. The day is Pentecost. The preacher is Peter. And the multitude are some of those that were guilty of the death of Jesus Christ. And after preaching Jesus to these people, verse 22 through verse 24, in verse 37, the people asked, What shall we do? They wanted to know what to do to obey the gospel. And Peter answered and said unto them, Repent. Anything else, Peter? And be baptized. How many of us, Peter? Every one of you. By whose authority, Peter? In the name of Jesus Christ. Why, Peter? For the remission of sins. What did the people on the day of Pentecost do to obey the gospel? They heard the gospel. They believed the gospel. Repented of their sins and they were baptized for the remission of their sins. I just urge you to do the right thing with the gospel. And the time to obey the gospel is now. You know, the Bible always talks about doing things now, doing it today. Today is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 tells us, because we have no promise that there will be a tomorrow. What do we do with the gospel? These five things. Tell the gospel. Live the gospel. Give to the gospel. Defend the gospel. And obey the gospel. If you've not yet obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, may I urge you to do so immediately. If you've never been baptized for the remission of your sins, may I urge you, may I with all the love in my heart, urge you to take care of that immediately. Now, before we close, may I invite you to visit the Church of Christ in your community and also right now pick up the telephone and please, without delay, call the number that you've seen on the screen and request the free Bible course or you can take it online as well. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Being at Faulkner is like being a part of a big family. I feel safe here. It seems like I know everybody and even my professors know me by name. My faith in Christ has grown a lot since coming to Faulkner, especially working with this outstanding Bible department and seeing the general Christian lives of all the professors on campus. Faulkner University is a growing, academically strong institution where Christ is the center of everything we do. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, 
write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. Hey,